Hey everyone, welcome to the Refollow Candy Podcast. This is your host, Raul Galera. With me today is Stefan Pretty, founder and CEO of Subly. Subly.co, that is S-U-B-B-L-Y.co, is a software that allows businesses and individuals to set up and start subscription e-commerce businesses. No coding experience is required and you can have your store up and running very, very quickly. Stefan, thank you so much for being here. I know you're extremely busy these days. Yeah, thank you, Raul, for having me. Um, uh, it's always uh, an honor to be invited on to be interviewed for something like this. So for those of you listening who don't know Stefan, uh, Stefan, you're from Scotland. Uh, you're currently living in LA, Los Angeles, California, and you're running your own tech business. So mm -hmm. you're living the dream, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us how you got here. Sure, absolutely. I'd love to share that with you. Um, I hope you've got like two hours because it's a long story. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, don't worry. We definitely <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, you're right in saying I'm from Scotland. Um, although my accent probably sounds a little bit funny by now. Uh, yeah, and I'm living in Los Angeles. So the story goes that I used to run a digital marketing agency back in the day. Um, I was actually, uh, I, I dropped, I'm a university dropout, technically speaking. Uh, and I was doing freelancing on the side, which I eventually dove in full time and started this uh digital agency called Pretty Clicks, which is a play on my last name, Pretty. And um, we, we were doing quite well and we grew 400% in our last year. And um, an interesting little uh, twist in the, the story was when I had a meeting with a, 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 an ex-girlfriend actually, when potential client, and she wanted to That's start- That's kind of interesting. A, a, yeah. <laughs> um, and she wanted to start this um, detox juice like subscription service basically and um subscription was just at the beginning of this you know this like uh explosive trend and she came in and she was you know i've got this budget and i want to do uh you know i need branding i need your website i need all the software put together and i was like okay um your budget's not the biggest budget in the world so leave it with us we'll do some research and see if there's anything on the market that actually exists um so, you know, after the meeting, I went and did some research, came back, meeting number two, um, and there, there there, wasn't anything. That, that was the, the, the end point was there was no solution out there that made this easy apart from a stack of different plugins for different services or, you know, things that weren't very well known or very established. So that was when I had the light bulb moment in the meeting. Um, actually, it might have just been the first meeting. All of this happened where I just pulled up my laptop, but um, I had the light bulb moment where I was like, there's an opportunity here. And... You know, I've always had this knack in life, and I, I don't know if it's just intuition or what. Um, I don't want to get big-headed because I'm always worried that this is just going to disappear on me one day. But I've always had a knack for like spotting businesses or opportunities and being like, "That's a that's a really awesome you know idea," and then it actually turning into something really big or somebody doing it and running with it. And I'm, you know, I got so fed up with this happening all the time where I'm like, if only I had X Y Z in place to be able to do this business idea. I just had like enough of, you know, ending up in that situation and having this train of thought where I was like, you know, one day this is going to happen. And I was like, no, today's going to, it's going to happen today. So after that, like it became really, really clear. I was like, okay, I just needed to iron down the business model. I was like, uh, I've got this, the name came to me like that. It was like instantaneous. Uh, the logo was in my head straight away. It, it just all fell into place really quickly. And the team at uh, Pretty Clicks pulled together real quickly to come up with like the first concept basically and then um it, it i basically just plowed the resources of that business into starting it and, I, and then eventually i locked myself away and just coded and coded and coded and coded and um eventually we launched version one and 
yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a lot more details to the story, but that's how we got going. And then we got picked up by Product Hunt and some chap from uh, Edinburgh, which is where I was living at the time in Scotland. Um, he actually hunted us on Product Hunt, which was really cool, keeping it local, you know. So um, after that, we got our first paying customer, which kind of validated the business model. In hindsight, could have done that, a better job on that and done it even quicker. But um, I was just that confident in the business model that um, I just plowed ahead with it and didn't want to miss this opportunity. So flash forward three years later, here I am now sitting in Los Angeles. Uh, why am I? Why am I in Los Angeles? Uh, just fell in love with um, Santa Monica. I was actually doing a road trip and um, with uh, with one of my good friends, and we were doing uh, San Francisco. And I was meeting with like potential investors and stuff like that at the time. This is before I realized that you know uh, I preferred the idea of bootstrapping. And uh, we were doing this road trip from uh, San Francisco down to Hermosa Beach, and we stopped off in Santa Monica, and there was a concert on the pier in Santa Monica and, and if, if those those of you who haven't been you need to go if you're in the area um they're usually on Thursday nights in the summer and the vibe was just amazing and I was just like I'm it, it was September and I'm sitting in my shorts and t-shirt on a beach having a glass of wine and the music's playing of live, live music on the pier and I was like you don't mm, get this mm. and like anywhere this is life so I just felt yeah, this is the life, the life. I was like, I have to come back here. So I fell in love with it in that moment and decided to, uh, you know, get my uh, business visa. And the, the, the other thing was, actually, it turns out that most of our customers are US-based. So it just worked perfectly. So I knew that there was better business opportunities out here and they were more receptive for, you know, following the trends of e-commerce out here. So and just in general, the startup world is just stronger in on the west coast of the U.S. than it is in Edinburgh and Scotland. Don't get me wrong, the startup scene in Edinburgh is um, thriving. Uh, it's just not the same caliber, in my opinion. Um, so it was just like the whole pack, the whole picture was there, and then that was it. Three months later, I was on a plane with uh, my business visa. So, what will be the timeline for this? Uh, you've mentioned three years. Uh, what's the timeline from the moment that you said, "Aha, there's mm-hmm. a real business here. There's money here," until the moment that you had your MVP or your first customer? Yeah. So, um, the the timeline for that was uh, we once we once the idea had been conceptualized, it was probably I think that was around about October two thousand and fourteen. I'm gonna say uh, <laughs> now you're racking my brains, but it actually might be in 2013. Wow. Um, so then uh, it was, yeah, no, it was, yeah, because we had our first paying customer, I think it was in July or August of uh, 2014. And we kind of, we didn't have like any big re- reveal. We just launched it and <laughs> we just got you going just basically. Ahead. Yeah, I just went ahead and launched it and it was embarrassing. It was, it was terrible. It was truly the definition of a minimum viable product. Um, you know, I look back and I'm like, how how did we get any recognition with this this piece of crap? <laughs> so, um, well, we we've we've all heard that saying that goes that if you're not embarrassed of your MVP, you're launched too late, uh, or you've waited too long to launch. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree with that. Yeah, and I've heard that a couple of times myself now over the years. So that was so basically from idea to launch was probably in the region of six months, roughly. Um, yeah, I mean, I locked myself away for a good three months just programming. Um, uh, Greg, m- one of my old uh, colleagues and uh, developer, he was he wrote like the initial lines, um, but then I kind of took over because uh, I think the team realized my heart was in this, and uh, they knew that you know because it was it wasn't making any money from before launch. They knew that like 
they, they started looking for other jobs, which was, to be honest with you, it was perfect. They had, um, I gave them amazing references and uh, they ended up getting really good jobs. So I'm still, you know, friends with them today, which is great. So, um, yeah, I can't, can't thank them enough. In fact, uh, Greg is honestly top developer, top guy. So, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I had that sort of support behind me during those, uh, you know, during those months. And obviously they saw my conviction, which, uh, gave me more, gives me your retrospective confidence that I was powerfully, you know, in the, the right state of mind that people were like, okay, this guy's going to do this, you know? Okay, so let's go back to the first few months of uh, Subly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's people listening to this that are probably in the same position that you were a few years ago. Um, so in behalf of them, I would like to ask you, how do you manage to grow your company from mm-hmm. the very first customer to the first 10, 20, 50 customers? Absolutely. So yeah, back, back at the beginning, um, we did a little bit of, uh, you know, some paid ads to try and get some initial traction and, uh, you know, to validate the business model. But uh, fortunately, I had a lot of experience in search engine optimization or, or SEO as it's known uh, shorthand. And because um, we used to offer SEO as a service uh, from the digital agency. And a lot of our customers we got from search engine optimization. So um, we we spent a lot of time writing really high quality content from really early on. I think we spent like a good couple of months just writing content nonstop, and it paid off dividends in the long run. Um, so you know it, it is a long play strategy, but if you know obviously there's different niches that have high competitiveness, like you know they're much more competitive than others. Um, I, you know, based on the research I'd done at the time, I knew that this was like a, what you call a greenscape. So I personally, I'm a massive advocate for search engine optimization and long-term marketing strategies that pay off the dividends and, you know, are going to be, um, you, you know, they're, they're actually like, for example, SEO is highly affordable in the long run. It's expensive to implement and people say it's super expensive, but you know, if you're good at writing and you know what you're doing, if you just, you know, there's loads of articles out there, how to do link building, how to do, you know, optimize, you know, optimize your own page, SEO, et cetera. Like they, 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 yeah, they break it down really nicely. And, um, you know, once you've learned it, you've learned the basic principles. Yeah. The algorithm of Google changes every day, you know, whatever, 400 times a year, it, it, the, the same principles apply. Quality is key. Um, and, you know, you can outsource SEO and yet it will cost a lot of money. I honestly always come back to doing it myself or with the people who I trust mostly and who really understand the business 100%. Um, in terms of the, like, early stage growth, though, like, you know, things that I've learned since then uh, that I would like to share uh, include, like, um, you know, in fact, let's let's talk about this for a second. In terms of bootstrapping, because, you know, I'm, we're talking about a software business right now, which is, like, you know, you, you know, we built all this code and then we, we validate, you know, we validated it by getting our first paying customers, but you know, that's, that's not even that lean. And I'm going to talk about lean principles for a second here. If you haven't read it, this, the lean startup by Eric Reese, you need to read it. It's a game changer. It's brilliant. And it's very known in like the startup world. Um, you know, we, we could have been leaner. Um, but I was just, as I said, like earlier on, I was so convicted with this idea and the research I'd done, like the primary research showed that there was a need for this, um, which is why we just plowed ahead with, you know, not wanting to miss the opportunity. So those circumstances are slightly different. But, um, you know, if I was to do this again, or if I was to start another business, then I would certainly um, look at, you know, getting, you know, 
for example, you could just throw a landing page up. You know, there's like loads of different tools out there, like lead pages. You could just um, put a landing page up with an email form or, uh, you know, there's uh, Launch Rock, that's free. Um, and then you can collect email addresses to validate a business idea by just driving like a hundred dollars worth of traffic to it uh, with targeted traffic and being like, you know, this is the, the this is the offering. Get notified when we're live. That's a form of validation, and it's cheap. You know, you could do that for a hundred dollars. And and there's a ton of other ways of doing it. So if you have an existing business and you're wanting to validate whether or not you know you know big businesses can be agile and lean as well, um, you know, say you're thinking about launching a new product, you could just throw up a landing page on your existing website, drive some traffic to it, or, you know, tell your existing customers and be like, hey, if you're interested, click this button and it'll, you'll be notified when it's live. That's validation. It just means that you're making assumptions and then testing your assumptions. And then you're not doing things that are wasting time, you know, because a lot of people have these assumptions and they don't test the test it. And then they go out and spend all these hours and thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars building a product that nobody actually wants or needs. So um, there's that to think about if you're, you know, wanting to be lean and bootstrap your business. Um, in terms of, you know, growth hacks and other marketing strategies, um, uh, you know, <laughs> growth hackers is a great source for all these different things. But ultimately, really, what I find it comes down to is caring, really, really caring about your product, getting to know your customers, communicating with them, learning what they really need, you know, because then you're going to get word of mouth. And then also implementing like uh, an evergreen strategy that's, you know, like, for example, SEO, um, good quality content that's going to be there uh, and it's going to rank well on Google and it's going to, you know, it's going to stand the test of time. Um, But don't get me wrong. Rule number one is if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. So always be improving as well. Um, And in terms of other like marketing strategies, you know, you can pay for traffic. But as a bootstrap business, that's quite difficult to do when you don't have any revenue. So just be careful there because your cost of acquiring a customer, trying to get that down is going to be tricky to, you know, to get that down to a point where it's sustainable for you at these early stages. So, you know, at, at those early stages, though, your your best weapon and, and your where you can really add value is to get close and build really solid relationships with a small number of people. So, you know, use that time to learn from like your target audience and customer. And there's another thing, know your customer. Like really get to know who your customer persona is and then you know who to reach out to and who to target. Um, a lot of people don't do this. Um, it's It you know it requires discipline, but you know really sit down and take the time. Imagine who is it I'm trying to target. Who's the person who's going to use my product and describe them, write it on a piece of paper. You know, it's a fun exercise. Um, I heard somebody say uh, even better, just go and Google the first name of the imaginary person on, on, on Google and print off a picture of somebody. Um, that you, that comes up on Google and put it on your wall next to the persona, and it just makes it more real in your head. So it makes it easier to make those decisions. Like you know, it's kind of a funny idea, but it actually makes a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. It's like you're playing trick with with exactly. yourself. You're playing tricks with your mind. I mean, exactly. Yeah, it's like hacking your own brain. How how can we? How, how and then you then you've got this person's head and you you know face in your head, and you're like, okay, where where would I find this person? So yeah, I mean, I think. That really covers off what I would do from a bootstrap perspective. Um, it's just like those early stages, you, it's all about learning and listening to the customers and their feedback and what they want, you know, because we we spend so much time like, oh, I've got this great idea. And then you're like, you know, you spend 
all this time thinking about this idea, but not really actually talking to people about it. And then, you know, another thing that people do as well, which is crazy, is they get all secretive about their ideas. They're like, oh, this is the, the, the billion dollar idea. Yeah. And then they don't talk to anybody about it. I've done this. I've been there. I've, I've done this, NDAs and stuff like that. Yeah, NDAs. That's yeah. craziness. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not going to steal your idea because, like, right. I've got enough on my plate. Everybody's got enough on their plate. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's busy mm-hmm. doing their own thing. And ideas are, I always say this, ideas are cheap and execution's expensive. Um, I actually want to stop here for a second because you're talking about the importance of having conversations, talking to customers, especially in the early stages uh, of the life of the company. But I feel like that's important at any stage of the business, uh, and especially you guys who are working on subscription. Uh, retaining customers is crucial for the health of your business. Mm. Uh, because when I hear interviews to entrepreneurs, they always ask them how to grow your user base, how to grow your customer yep. base. And I actually just ask you the same question. Uh, but we don't hear often enough, um, how do you retain customers? And retaining customers is extremely important because if you have a client that keeps buying from you, all these fixed costs related to mm-hmm. customer acquisition are gone, and it's pretty much all profit from there. So what do you guys do to stay focused on user retention, and what tips can you share with us? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. And actually, this is becoming more of a topic that I guess um, I'm starting to like become more focused on as well uh, over the years. Um I mean, this is critical in any business that has a, a subscription element. In fact, that any business will stop. So, you know, you've got, as you mentioned, like you've got the cost of acquiring a customer and then you have the LTV, which is your lifetime value. And um, these are the probably the two most important metrics because your cost of acquiring a customer could be anywhere from 30 to, you know, say $100, right, in today's day and age. And then, um, you know, people could be, you know, only making a slither of money off the top of that if their lifetime value is like $110, for example. So the goal is to always try and get as much uh, value out of each customer that you acquire. So yeah, retention is a huge part of that for a subscription business. So um, and in terms of retention, uh, you know, the other, the word that goes with that hand in hand is churn. So a churn is basically the percentage of customers who cancel each month. And you would you would give that like a value in terms of a percentage, and then you'd have like um, say your churn could be like six months or nine months or whatever, and that's basically saying uh, the customer um, you know will likely cancel on average after X number of months. So you want that to be as long as possible. So you know that just to explain that to any listeners uh, about what we're talking about here. Um, so yeah, in terms of retention strategies, yeah, you're absolutely 100% right. Always, you know, listen to your customers at all stages of your business. I think I'm just saying that like the uh, early stages, um, you have the luxury of being able to get close as the founder and CEO of your company to your customers, um, which you should relish and absolutely uh, make the most of. Because on the other hand, the customers feel like they're really, you care about them a lot as well. And that's something that not every business gives you that sort of an experience. So, but yeah, number one is listen to your customers, learn what they want, collect feedback and quantify it, and then act on it, action it and prioritize as well. So say it's feature-based feedback, you want to find out what, what customers are wanting and implementing it. But then also as a caveat, don't get caught up in uh, uh, just building features to retain a customer because sometimes it's the core product that has actually has a problem um because a lot of people get caught up and if i build this feature this feature this feature and this feature because they're comparing themselves to other businesses or they have like in their idea the perfect product that has all these features because people think more features equals better product it doesn't always mean that and actually as i said sometimes it's the core product and if you find that you've got like a churn problem you might need to take a step back and really really evaluate what is this the one thing 
that adds the most value or the one thing that's missing that you know needs to be re reevaluated and, and and focused down on and doubled down on to make uh, you know to get it right um so that's a really hard question to answer uh in terms of that when you're thinking about your own business but um sometimes it is a, a, a core um like a core business model issue or value problem um other strategies include uh like well yeah i mean ultimately that's what it comes down to like there's no like secret recipe i mean there's lots of little things you can do to improve retention like for example uh offering upsells to like get people on annual plans like you know um you could offer uh you know an, a 20 you know two or three months for free if they switch to an annual plan but then you're asking them to outlay money which is quite difficult so that's why it's quite difficult to get customers to commit to that um but it's one strategy of, of doing it another is um you know just uh engaging with the customer at multiple different points in their their journey or their their um the relationship with you so maybe you reach out to them in three months six months nine months etc just keeping the relationship going and you can automate that um and then obviously as I, as I mentioned it's like constantly improving your product and showing people that you're active and listening to feedback another thing is you could do is build a kind of a community around your business as well i think that that's quite powerful um but yeah it comes down to like the core value proposition sometimes like you know we think we know when you know we're actually distracted by everything else apart from the the main core part of the product itself you know that could be not quite right and once you get that nailed everything else will fall into place i think Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'm stopping real quick to talk to you about referral candy. If you're struggling to get new customers or are looking for ways to retain your existing ones, why not running a referral program? Your customers can spread the word about your store, invite their friends and get something in return. Did you know that running a referral program is one of the most cost-effective customer acquisition strategies out there? With Referral Candy, you can have your referral program set up in a matter of minutes, no coding required. Just go to referralcandy.com and start your 30-day free trial. Again, that is referralcandy.com and get your first month for free. Now back to the interview. I was just going to mention the fact that you guys have this uh, online community. By mm. the way, any of you who are either subscription e-commerce entrepreneurs or are thinking of becoming one, uh, I strongly recommend you to search on Facebook subscription box entrepreneurs. And it's a mm -hmm. group that it's managed by Subly. And I personally think that you guys have done a great job. Uh, you're constantly adding new content oh, to the group. Uh, and uh, it's also for you guys uh, as a company, I think, first of all, it's a great way to keep in touch with your customers. Mm -hmm. uh, you can reach out to them and announce things, uh, I would say, in a less intrusive way. And it feels like a community. Uh, and I feel like every time you share a new update or a feature or whatever it is, I feel like people will be more interested uh, and more willing to engage with that content. And second, at the end of the day, uh, this community is a great source of help for your sales yeah. uh, slash support team because you either have existing customers or people that want to start their own business uh, and they have questions. They have questions uh, about, the, uh, yeah. about the platform, about starting up their business, and they get instant feedback from other users. Uh, you get other business, mm -hmm. bus sorry, other business owners uh, answering their questions. Yeah. Uh, so you get this collective feedback uh, that I think it's great in so many ways. Uh, but now that we're talking about user retention, I think this is one of them. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. No, you know what? We, we started this group um, only this year and it's been awesome. And uh, I appreciate the kind words on that. I think um, 
we're really, we're actually really quite strict about it. Like we have a lot of group rules and we enforce them quite yeah, strongly. You, you're gonna you're gonna have to. Yeah, quality is key. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who come on and try and solicit, you know, clients, etc. And we we're quite strict with that. And like, we really encourage people to engage and like, uh, you know, share knowledge with one another because a lot of this is education as well. Um, if you it depends on your product, but ours, you know, a lot of it's to do with learning how to run a business and you know doing so successfully. Um, but you know, for example, though you're you're right, like we also get that feedback loop because we can see what people's problems and struggles are. And then we can try and address those in terms of our own message or, you know, documentation or how we handle customers through our actual support or um, the actual product itself, of course. So we have this like feedback loop, which is great, you know, and it's also a great source for like, oh, you know, we could write content, you know, that it helps solve these people's problems. You know, like there's guys who don't know how to do this or there's people sharing ideas that will help other people and we can, collectively create more educational materials and that just benefits everybody and the reason we run this community is actually just for the community it's like we want to help people you know and i think that's that's foundational for entrepreneurs you know it's kind of like the pay it forward mentality um yeah i i think it really does close that kind of feedback loop and actually interestingly because i'm on there um you know answering questions and giving you know feedback etc it's actually allowed me to stay close to the customer as well because i used to do customer support on my own when it was just like me like as a one-man band um and eventually it kind of obviously you know time constraints as the business grew continually you know i wasn't able to do that realistically all the time on my own so you know now we have uh you know full-time customer support but the uh the, the, the Facebook group is like my way of staying connected to the audience and the customers. And, you know, not all our customers are on, on our, on our um, Facebook group and not all of our Facebook group members are our customers. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like we're still learning from one another. Yeah. We're still learning from one another and it's awesome. But um, yeah, communities think more important than people realize. And I mean, I learned this the hard way as well because we kind of neglected that. Um, but it, the penny, dropped and it really started to click when um the actual when we actually did it does that make sense like it was kind of like the chicken and the egg once we actually did it it was like ah okay this is how this works that's why this is important so um yeah community is important for depends on your product but yeah usually it's important oh yeah definitely it's important um i've actually talked to the companies with the most successful referral program we've seen uh here at referral candy uh and there's something in common with all of them and it's the fact that they all have an online community usually on facebook with very active users uh, and it really helps uh, for many Mm. reasons it might not be the best solution for all industries uh and i think that at some point we might hit some sort of uh, saturation here uh having too many communities that we're not able to keep up with but i seem uh, it's something that i see that it's happening mm-hmm. on facebook right now and it's that people are starting to share more stuff on groups than on their own timeline and yeah, they're turning exactly. to groups instead i, I think um, well, it's like Facebook, it's becoming way too social, I think, uh, that now people are starting to go into groups where people are more like-minded or there are to, uh, they're there to discuss a topic in particular. And I think that this is not only uh, the present, yeah. but the future on how brands interact with their customers on Facebook. 
Uh, we are probably hitting the end of Facebook pages as we know them, as community builders, let's say, and I see them more like big advertising banners uh, in a way to broadcast your ads. Uh, so, yeah, so you guys have that. done, again, a, a really, really, really good job with your community. Uh, and there's something I wanted yeah. to ask you. Uh, what's something that you guys have tried over the past few years that you didn't think it was gonna work, uh, but it actually did, and you were surprised yeah. by the results? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I would say that um, the one thing that actually has worked well for us is having a, a, a great customer support experience and also a, a super fast response time. So here's a here's a quick example of that. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I was sitting working away and I got a tweet notification. Now I'm not the best Twitter <laughs> Twitter user in the world. I've really had to like teach myself to be disciplined to get you know, to use it. It's just funny how certain, certain platforms stick with different people for different reasons. I'd, I'd love to look into that from a psychological perspective. But um, yeah, for me, you know, I, I tried to be disciplined with it. And we got this tweet from uh, a company called um, Jenny's uh, and they do ice, awesome ice cream. I'm sure some of you have heard of this um, company, but they, uh, re they tweeted us and said, hey, you know, we're looking to do this. And, you know, does your software do this? And I... Um, respond we responded within like a minute two minutes or something like that and they were um they were so impressed by that response rate that they ended up becoming a customer doing you know like an enterprise grade solution with us um yeah so they're a really cool company and i'm really proud uh you know to be working with them it's exciting so yeah that that was like kind of unexpected and it mostly mostly came down to the fact that we were uh, you know so responsive and so fast that it came back to them and um you know i would always say that like customer support is kind of like your product at the end of the day <laughs> you know you, you can have software but it's nothing if there's nobody running the, the business correctly or people that aren't there to support the people because there's always going to be people wanting answers and questions you know they're they're going to have questions and they're going to need answers so um, I would say that ironically, customer support is a f part of your marketing in a way. Um, so yeah, don't neglect that. Um, I'll actually go beyond that and say that probably the most important asset that you have in your company is the person who's in front of your customer talking to them because they're being the voice of the company, they're representing the company. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, being, being responsive and getting back to your customers for leads yeah. quickly can really make a difference. That's a really, really great point, Raul, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're an expert in your field or if you know, uh, you know, what you're talking about or if you, you know, you just want to have like a face of the business, it's an effective strategy. Um, I don't like calling things necessarily strategies, but at the end of the day, like, you know, people want strategies. <laughs> so call it, let's call it a strategy. But if you're, you know, you've got a business as well, there's an opportunity to actually create a relationship through you as a, as a real human being. Um, cause most businesses shy away from this. Um, I'm getting more to grips of this myself personally. Um, you know, I've got over a decade of experience with like, you know, web and online marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, only in recent, you know, months even have I realized that my knowledge can actually be useful and beneficial to somebody else. So, um, yeah, I, I'm starting to become more and more, uh, the face of the business and not shying away from it. So it's difficult to do though. I'll admit that, but it definitely seems to be resonating with the, you know, our, you know, our, our customers and, uh, our community. And, um, it, it feels good to be able to help. Well, and it pays off for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In terms of calling it a strategy, yeah, I would agree with that. 
And at the end of the day, um, it's all about being transparent and telling your customers who you are. Oh, uh, 100%. Letting them know that there's a person just like them running the company behind the screen, yeah. you know, just I'll, showing I'll, your I'll face. I'll never forget, we wrote this, uh, I, I wrote this manifesto. Um, if you go on our website, um, although we might be reorg reorg reorganizing it soon, it's, it says, why subly? If you click on it, I wrote a manifesto and it's quite edgy, um, but it really came from the heart. And for so long, I was like, you know, we've got competitors out there, um, you know, who are, bigger businesses than us and um we uh you know for so long i was always unsure of whether or not we should reveal that we're this small little business and you know what our story is etc and then eventually one day i was like just do it you know just go for it and just be honest and open and it might resonate with somebody and you know it's funny that manifesto has been shared quite considerably to my surprise and um from you know me starting to tell the story of subly like today you me sharing the story with you guys is you know that that's part of that whole process of being transparent and open and honest and and telling people the journey and and, and it seems to be that people can get something from hearing about that as well like they can learn from that and if your customers are small businesses as well uh it's a way of telling them hey i'm just like you you know uh, we are yeah, probably absolutely. having the same problems where can definitely help each other yeah. out. And it's all, it, cause you know, entrepreneurship's a lonely, lonely road. Um, and it takes a special type of person to embark upon that mission. And I actually see people on our community, on our Facebook group, for example, saying like, you know, um, you know, they're sharing like the emotional burden as well with other people. And they're like, I feel insecure about this, or I'm not sure of myself. And it's great to see other people being like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Because you know that that's what will actually allow them to feel strong enough to continue, I think. And it's it's almost like a group of therapists as well, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, well, it is. I mean, it definitely helps. And if your community can help someone stick with their idea, even after, I don't know, maybe they're not going through the best of times or they're getting bad feedback or, you know, they think the business is not going to work. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it can, yeah, it can the, really I mean, help them. There's that classic picture that uh, people share every now and again, which is, the you know the path to success is not a straight line it's like a rocky road and there's there's like pits of death and there's bridges you have to cross and spikes coming out of the ground etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's so true and there's gonna with you know another thing as well is that you can't have highs without lows you know if everything was easy and straightforward everybody would first of all be doing it second of all yeah it would be everybody would be successful and have their business and their dream business and be in their dream situation but they're not because there's a reason for that so it is a lonely journey and it's good to have people around you. Um, so pick your friends wisely, get involved with communities that can help you. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, going full circle here, um, you can always do more with less. That's like my number one thing right now. You can always do more with less. And I'm having to remind myself of this as well. So, um, yeah. Um, and just to wrap up with the interview, which again, I really appreciate that you took your time to talk to us today, Stefan. Uh, we've actually learned a lot from you today. Um, but before we go, there's one thing I would like to ask you. We've talked about growing your customer base, uh, user retention, the importance of building a community around your business. Uh, but for those businesses who have already been up and running for a few years, but are struggling to grow the revenue, uh, they can't really figure it out how to take it to the next level. Um, mm -hmm. What's something that they can do to increase revenue and basically just take their business to the next level? Just take that next step. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, you're right. We've, we've spoken about bootstrapping. So let's talk about existing businesses for a second. Um, yeah. Great question. So I think, um, one thing that people don't realize, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners alike, they, um, 
they don't realize that they're, they're, it's easier to sell to an existing customer than it is to acquire a new customer. You have an existing relationship with your current customers and even the ones who are no longer a customer but were a customer. So one thing that I would say is that don't just treat your business as like a, like a rotating door. Try and turn that rotating door into like a, you know, an actual, uh, like a, like an experience, a journey, you know, where you've got, you know, an entrance point and then you try and keep that experience going for as long as possible. So one way that, you know, is effective for doing that, ironically, and a lot of businesses think that it doesn't apply to them is actually, first of all, not only doing just upsells, but also applying a a continuity model or a subscription model to their existing business. Um, it, okay, it's not applicable to 100% of businesses, but it definitely is applicable to more businesses than people um, realize or would even consider. Um, so yeah, like adding that continuity model is pretty critical and as a, as, as a way of increasing revenues and increasing that, as we mentioned earlier, that lifetime value. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily, um, you know, it's, it's something that should be considered um, a, an effective way for increasing the revenue of a business quite quickly if you have an existing uh, you know, business with customers and revenue coming in. Um, and then, yeah, the other one is obviously upsells, um, you know, to create a kind of like a value ladder. So you've got your, you know, your core products, say you're doing e-commerce and then you want to do up- upsells to these little add-on products. And then, as I said, like you could add subscription on the side, which is kind of sitting alongside that value ladder. Um, you start to create a much more uh, first of all you increase your lifetime value you're not going to get everybody on on these upsells and this the continuity model but it still contributes towards it and these things aren't that difficult to set up anymore you know we've got all the technology and solutions out there like for example you know subly does subscription um and you can add subly to an existing business uh you know quite easily so you know you can implement that and test it again we could stay you know talking about bootstrapping and being lean you could implement that really quickly and cost effectively with all these existing tools and solutions of course you have to do the marketing for it but again it's easier to sell to an existing customer than it is to acquire a new customer so these are some really important considerations for increasing your revenue for an existing business um it's something i'm going to be doing more uh, i'm going to be discussing more in the future and sharing more knowledge on but um yeah, just just as a as a sidebar, if if you are interested, we do have a fourteen day free trial as well. Um, I can send you the links and stuff uh, after this, Raul, if you want to put it into the notes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to insist on this, guys. If you're thinking about setting up a subscription business, uh, a subscription box, I can't recommend Subly enough. Uh, you can go on subly.co. Again, that is subly.co and start a 14-day trial. Uh, they're an amazing team. They're led by Stefan, so you know you can't really go wrong with that. <laughs> Stefan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for coming to the Referral Candy Podcast. It was a pleasure. Oh, you're so, so welcome, Raul, and thank you so much for having me, and um, it's always a pleasure, and, you know, if you ever want to talk shop again, just let me know, and I'm always happy to share my story and knowledge, and, um, you know, you guys can always hit me on Twitter as well if you want. Sounds good. Thank you so much. No worries. Take care.